Thanks for checking out sermons from Pleasant Valley Community Church. We hope these messages encourage, convict, and inspire you to love and follow Jesus more faithfully as we seek to saturate our city with the hope of the gospel. Our online resources are meant to serve you, but they aren't a replacement for the face-to-face relationships that we were built for. So we really hope that if you're in Owensboro, you'll join us in person on a Sunday morning. And if you live elsewhere, you'll find a local church in your community where you can put down roots and find family. For more resources and to give financially to support the missions and ministries of Pleasant Valley, find us on social media or visit our website at www.pleasantvalley.cc. Well, good morning. In case I haven't met you, my name is Jay Mills. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is a sincere privilege to be here to speak with you today. It's been a year since I have stood at this pulpit and and uh, led a sermon, and uh, for good reason. Uh, in case you did not know, two days after I preached last time, I had a stroke. After In the last year, I've also had heart surgery, and I've had uh, a little bit of melanoma cut out of my body as well, too. But it's all part of the journey that the Lord has led me on, that has brought me to this day. And so I celebrate being here with you, and I celebrate walking this journey with my wife, Kim. In fact, we have um, kind of a slogan for our journey, and it's this, our journey, our testimony. It's in the, my wedding band. She had it inscripted in there. A friend of ours, an artist, uh, did a painting for us that hangs above our bed, and it says those same words, our journey, our testimony. And our journey has led us to some unique experiences. We've had some wonderful people that we've had a chance to meet, and we've had some unique stories that we've heard along the way. Such is a story I heard when we were in Texas about the Texas rancher. This man had accumulated great wealth over the course of his career. And to celebrate his good fortune, he decided to have a barbecue. And he invited the entire town up to his ranch so that they could also celebrate in with him. And at this barbecue, he gathered everybody together. He said, thank you so much for being here. And then he proposed a challenge to the men that were attending that barbecue. He said, if anyone here is willing, any man to swim the length of this pool, I will give you one of three things. I will give you the deed to this ranch, $1 million, or my daughter's hand in marriage. Now, he felt pretty confident that no man would take him up on this offer because everybody there could see that the pool had been stocked with alligators. So he turned and walked away with a little wry smile turning up at the corner of his mouth, and as he did so, he heard a splash. He whipped around, and sure enough, there was one man in the water battling the gators, and as he, the rancher, looked at this event, along with the rest of the people gathered there, they just stood there in amazement and shock on their face for what seemed to be an eternity as that man swam and beat against those gators for at least a half an hour, but miraculously, he pulled himself up out of the water. The still-stunned rancher said, Sir, I am a man of my word. Which would you like to have, a million dollars, the deed to this ranch, or my daughter's hand in marriage? And the man looked at him and replied, Never mind all that. Just tell me who pushed me in the pool. 
You see, he didn't see it coming. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe there's been times in your life that you've been blindsided along the way, and we have that to share as well. I don't know about you, but I've frequently told people, you know, my life has been one of redirection. I start out one way, and then all of a sudden, I end up going an entirely different way. And if it's in the Lord's leading, I'm so thankful to go that different direction. But what it represents are the forks in the road, those decision points that we have. And as a friend of mine told me recently, some words of advice that his dad gave him, son, when you get to the fork in the road, you can either go right or you can go left, but you can never go back. The key thing for us to remember is that if we want to end up in the right destination, that we need to choose the right road. Unlike some friends of mine, the coaching staff members, if you didn't know, I coached college football for 30 years, and one of the places was Boise State University. And I'm going to show you a picture here of the defensive coaching staff at Boise State at that time. If you recall, Boise has that beautiful blue turf that they're so well known for. But in this photo, you might also recognize there's probably some football fans in here. Anybody here recognize a former head coach of the Indianapolis Colts? So it's been a few years ago. If you picked the second one from the left, you would be correct. That's Chuck Pagano. Chuck Pagano was head coach to the Colts not, not too long ago as well. Well, these guys, you know, when you're a college football coach, let me tell you, you spend countless hours, and unfortunately, you spend more hours with the coaching staff than you do your family. And so it's not only important that you strategize together to come up with the best game plans that you possibly can, but it's important that you have good working relationship with these individuals as well. And so the middle guy in the picture, John Goff, decided as defensive coordinator, hey, let's have a male bonding trip. So one Saturday morning, they got up real early, like 4, 4.30 in the morning. They decided to go to northern Idaho on a fishing expedition. So they took off enjoying each other's company and probably a beer or two. As, as they went, this trip was supposed to take about two and a half hours. And two hours into the trip, I kid you not, they came upon a guidepost which read, Boise, 40 miles. See, what had happened is they missed the sign and they missed the turn. It's one of those roads, kind of like Pleasant Valley Road, that you have to take a turn in order to stay on the road, but they missed it. And the hope that I have this morning as we move forward in our journeys, whatever it may be and wherever the road may take us, is this, is that we keep advancing in spiritual goals and kingdom pursuits and never circle back to a less productive time in our lives. In life's journey... What if I told you there's a way that you can see the sign and know the direction you should head? In fact, Amos 3, 7 says this, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. And that takes us to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs emphasizes the importance of looking ahead to see where your actions will take you so you choose wisely today. And Proverbs 16 is a great chapter that helps illuminate that path for all of us. See, there's a recurring theme in this chapter and in these verses in particular, the first ones, that show that there's a relationship between our plans and God's plans. And in particular, verses 1 through 3, 7 and 9, when we read these, as we read these together, second, pay close attention to the words plan or plans and ways. Let's begin. Verse 1, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Other versions call it 
motives or your attitude. Verse 3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Another version says will be successful. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And then finally, verse 9, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. In the book of Proverbs, the words path and way are found nearly 100 times. There's obviously some point that the Lord is trying to get across to us by the constant repetition of these two words, and that meaning is not lost on those that profess Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. See, the way is both a path and a person. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In Hebrew, the way means this, the moral quality or orientation of one's life. You see, we're to be faithful, obedient, righteous, and serve as we go through the process that leads us to be more like Jesus Christ. There's a path that we're to follow and a model that we are to emulate, and it's that of Jesus. And it's why Peter makes it clear to us when he says this, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. When I think about following in the father's steps, I think about following in my own earthly father's steps. We grew up much further north than here, so we got a lot of snow in the winter time. And I'd follow my dad everywhere. I mean, he was my hero. He's now in eternity with the heavenly father. But as a young boy, I remember sometimes those drifts of snow would get kind of high. And I don't know why we were heading out in certain places. I don't recall that part, but I do recall this. I had a trust in my earthly father. Wherever he led, I would follow. And also where he put his steps in those banks of snow, I would replicate those steps because there was less resistance on me when I followed closely to my father's steps. And not only that, but my younger brother Jeff was usually following close behind me. So I stepped wisely and carefully because I knew that he was following my steps. You see, being a Christ follower means that we declare there is a new way and there is a new path to get there. It is not just a philosophical approach. There are practical steps that we can implement. And whether that road be rough or whether the road be smooth or whether it be covered with a foot of snow, the key thing is that we are transformed into the image of Christ by following in those steps. And we always remember somebody is looking at us and following our steps as well. You see, there's a disciple's path that's the general will of God that's revealed in Scripture and is very clear for all of us. This is something that we share with one another. And here's the steps. Number one, hear the word. Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Then after we hear the word, we believe in Christ in just a few Verses back in Romans 10, 9, it says this, that if you confess with your tongue, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Then the next step is we receive the spirit. In Acts 10, in an event that's parallel to Pentecost, the spirit came upon the Gentiles. And thank God for all of us here that that occurred. So we receive the spirit after we profess our faith in Jesus Christ. And after that, we 
surrender our lives to Christ in a way that shows our obedience by taking the step of baptism, an outward expression of an inward change in faith, an ordinance, one of two that was established by Christ himself while he was on this earth. And I encourage you, if you have not done so yet, if you profess Jesus Christ as Lord, the very next thing in obedience, this is not my words, this is Peter talking in Acts 10 that you take that step of baptism. I would love to talk to you about that. I'll be in that lobby after service is over, but you could talk to any of our pastors as well. We'd love to help you take that next step. And then finally, that you unite with other believers in the church to serve and worship God. We do this and are brought together in the New Testament church, 1 Corinthians 12 and other places. We have a role with each other as parts of the body of Christ. And there's actually about 200 verses in the New Testament that says we can't do some of these things unless we're united with a body. Lord Jesus is coming back for the body of Christ, and that's a universal church, but he gives us a role in the local New Testament church, and we would welcome the opportunity to also share with you what that means here at Pleasant Valley. We have a Discover class that's coming up in just two weeks from today at 9 a.m. back in the marriage area where we'll talk about the doctrine of this church, and we'll talk about what does church membership mean, and why are we called into being a member of a local New Testament church? Take a look in your program. You'll have more information coming on that as well. But God's will is clear in the Bible. This is the general will. For instance, another verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So while his general will is very much available for us to see and clearly revealed to us, and we are called to be obedient to that, what about the specific will for you and for me? That that sometimes is not as is unrevealed, maybe at this moment, but that he reveals over time. Well, we still turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, a very well-known passage by many people here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. There's those words again, way and paths as well too. You see, the reason why we turn and look to the Lord is because that God warns us that we don't know our own hearts and we can't trust what our hearts sometimes say to us. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Solomon contends that the heart and the mind are connected in saying this, As a man thinks, so is he. And that's why Paul says in Romans 12, 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. You see, there's a connection between our heart, our mind, and understanding the sovereign direction that the Lord will lead each and every one of us on individually. But there's one verse in chapter 16 that really stands out to me, one that really shows the magnitude of what I feel like the Lord is leading me to share this morning, and that's verse 25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. You see, that tells us that the stakes are high for the decisions that we make each and every day. We have to remember that decisions 
determine destiny, and choices have consequences. So we seek direction from our Heavenly Father, and if we ask for directions, we need to pay attention to the signs that are available to us. Sometimes, I don't know about you, I feel like I just want a jumbotron to show exactly what I need to do and where I need to go, but then I also know myself and my weaknesses, and I think even if it was on the jumbotron, would I pay attention to it? I surely hope so. But 1 John 5.14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. See, the word providence, the English word providence, come from two Latin words. The two Latin words, the first one is video, which means to see. The second one is pro, which means before. God in his wisdom sees before. He That is, he plans in advance and sees to it that his will is accomplished. Providence doesn't just mean that God knows the future and reacts and adjusts accordingly. God alone knows and controls all events in the future without violating man's ability to choose. In Ephesians 1.11, it states that God works all things, not some, but all things according to the counsel of his will and rules and overrules in all things. And sometimes he can do it very dramatically. One of the church members of my former church shared a story with me of a church that he used to attend in a suburb of Chicago. And in the story, he talks about that this pastor, one of the ones on their staff there, was preparing to go be the keynote speaker at a men's retreat. And he'd done this many times before. He was packing his bag. And as he packed his bag, though, he packed something different. Usually he put in as a shirt, something like a polo shirt like I'm wearing, or if it's wintertime, maybe a flannel button-down shirt. But in this case in particular, he felt led to put in a replica jersey. And you guys have seen them, and maybe many of you possess them, where they have the look-alike jersey that's the same of your favorite team. They have the team name, logo, they have the jersey number on there, and then embroidered in the back is the name of maybe your favorite player on that team. Well, he threw that into the bag, and what he didn't know is at the same time, another man was grappling with the decision of whether to attend this event or not. He had been seeking answers and looking for signs from the Lord, and he finally, after much prodding from his friend, decided to go along, and this is what that man said. He said, if God would only show me a sign that he is real, then I will believe. Well, they got to the first event, the first session, the very opening night, and there that pastor came out wearing that replica jersey, which again, I repeat, he'd never done this before. It's the first time he'd ever packed it. And in the audience, the man looked up and saw him wear that jersey, and it got his attention. You see, it was his name embroidered on the back of that jersey. He was the famous athlete He was the man looking for that sign, and God called him by name. God can work in some mighty, amazing ways, but if we ask for the sign, we need to be looking for it. It may not be as obvious as that. It may be, but he does make himself recognizable and known to us as we seek him out. He promises to do that, either with stunning clarity or eventually he will take us on an extended journey, which he'll reveal himself to us over time. He's done that with Kim and I. Twice in our life, I have resigned a position where I've been at because God has told me it's time to leave. And in both 
occasions, I did not know what that meant. I did not know where we were going. I just knew that he made it clear that the time was now. And we headed out unknown. Took five months one time, six months another time. In fact, it led me to Owensboro, Kentucky the second time. I was, there I was. How many times have stories started like this? Minding my own business when suddenly... I'm at church one morning at the office and I felt the Lord telling me this. The work that I've called you to do here is coming to a close. It's nearly been fulfilled. I have another assignment for you. So in faith, I tried to ignore it. See, I liked it there. <laughs> I liked it there. I had a good relationship with the lead pastor, the church staff, and the church family, and I was very content. I saw myself retiring in California. But again, I acquiesced and move forward by faith. And let me tell you this, when you're the primary breadwinner in the home, it's very important to have a spouse that is willing to trust what you tell her, in this case, my wife Kim, she's never flinched. I've come to her not just these two times with some things and have said, this is where I feel the Lord's leading. She's never flinched once. She's packed up and been ready to go if that's what the Lord has us to do. And I don't take that lightly. You see, Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, to have faith is to be sure of the things we hope for, to be certain of the things we cannot see. We might not be able to see where the Lord is taking us. To be honest with you, I mean, no disrespect, I'd never heard of Owensboro, Kentucky when I gave my notice in California, okay? And we love it here now, and we certainly love you guys, that's for sure. We're so blessed uh, to be here. But even though we might not be able to see it, we can sense what the Lord is doing and where he is leading. And let me just show this to you in Scripture. There are numerous examples in Scripture of individuals who saw what would happen before the event ever occurred. In Hebrews eleven seven, we read, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark. To save his family. Before the Israelites took one step around the walls of Jericho, before it fell, in Joshua 6.2, we read, the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Scripture states that Moses was inspired to action because, and I quote, he saw him who is invisible. See, Noah saw the flood. Caleb and Joshua saw the fall of the Canaanites when the other 10 spies could not envision such a thing. And Nehemiah saw the need to build and resurrect the walls around Jerusalem, so he built the wall. Each saw what would take place in the future because God gave them a vision of their future. And yet the Bible says all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them, that's the promised fruit of their labor, and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. See, our vision from God allows us to see by faith what others are blind to. Even Jesus relied on God for his spiritual vision. In John 6, 6, before he fed the 5,000, it says this. Already, Jesus had in mind what he was going to do. 
See, Christ followers always before and after the cross have always been able to see the kingdom of Jesus through the eyes of faith. Jesus has the power to share his vision at any time, at any place, and with anyone. Maybe today you sense that the Lord is leading you to do something. Usually when that occurs, not always, it can be a scary place to be. But I also want to caution you that before we step out by faith, there are three key questions to ask before you make these decisions. And let me share this with you. This I got from a friend of mine named Rodney James. Rodney's a former pastor, and he happens to be the president of the design build firm that will be breaking ground in the near future. He'll be at the groundbreaking ceremony. He is the person we've contracted with. And here's what he shared. First question when we hear that message, is it from you? See, John 8, says, Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. So we need to have a litmus test. We need to have steps that we take before we take that step of faith. And here's the first one. Test it against God's word. God will never operate contrary to his word. And being in a pastoral role, I've had to share that from a time or two with somebody when they said, I think God's calling me to do that. A lot of times it could be the case, but sometimes it flies in the face of Scripture. That's not the Lord you're hearing from. Number two, ask for spiritual discernment. Scriptural reference from Gideon in Judges 6, 17 says, show me a sign that it is you who speaks with me. Number three, listen for his answer. John 8, 47 says, he who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is because you do not belong to God. So there's a fundamental tenet right here that we need to pay attention to, and I will say this. Anybody can pray to God. God hears all prayers, but as I search scriptures, I have never seen a scripture that says God's acts on the petition of one who does not profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I have not found that passage yet. That's why we turn, among other places, to the book of Proverbs. In these 31 chapters, the words wise and wisdom are used 125 times. You see, it isn't just enough to be educated. I spent 30 years at the college level. I spent seven of those years on staff at Harvard. It's not just about being educated or having knowledge. It's about wisdom. As important as education is, we need wisdom, which is the ability to use that knowledge. Biblical wisdom begins with a right relationship with Christ. And is Jesus Christ in whom are hidden all, I emphasize all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We must pay attention to God's word. We must honor God's word so that our actions will align with his will because Solomon warns this, if anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, even his prayers are detestable. Now, in this reference, the word translated means Torah, and Torah means instruction. And here's the question that keeps coming to my mind. If we won't listen to his instruction, why should he give us any more wisdom and pay attention to us when we don't do what he tells us to do? See, meditation on God's word unveils more truth, and more truth means more direction. And more direction, it's the roadmap to discovery and also of transformation. Second question we need to ask ourselves before we take that step of faith. Is it for me? 
Hey, some well-intentioned per persons, and I can tell you one, a man after God's own heart, David, nearly took a wrong step. David wanted to build a temple for the Lord, but that wasn't his charge. If we look at 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning with verse 1, here's what we read. Now, when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies... The king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart. There it is again. Trust your heart. How many times you watch a TV show or a movie and say, Hey, go with your gut. You know, if it feels like you should, boy, you should do that. Your truth is the truth that matters. That's not what God's word says. And Nathan is a very wise and faithful follower of God. For the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of God came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, not so fast. Okay, he didn't say not so fast. That's a JMV. I call that a J. Mills version. That just truncates a couple of verses to make it succinct. But basically what God told Nathan to tell David was, that's not what I've called you to do. Thanks, but no thanks. We know that Solomon builds the temple, and David had a part of consolidating some of the materials that were needed. He got iron and bronze and cedar trees and gold and marble and these types of things, but not his job. First Chronicles chapter 22 and 29 says that David played that part, but not another one. And that reminds us of this, is we can't all drive the bus. Somebody has to Check the oil, somebody has to put the gas in, but every role for the kingdom of God is an important role. And Jesus, once again, provides the example, John 14, 31. But I do exactly what the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. We show our love for the Father. We show our love for the Son by doing exactly what he tells us to do when he tells us to do that. Nothing more, nothing less. And also having an attitude of humility, no job too big, no job too small, if it all advances his kingdom and brings glory to our Heavenly Father. Third and final question, is it for now? It's not just about knowing what to do, it's about knowing when to do it. There are many examples in Scripture of God revealing something, but it wasn't to be acted upon during that period of time. Just look at Joseph and, a number, and look at Abraham and others. In fact, God takes his time most of the time. The patriarchs, wives, Rachel, Sarah, Rebecca, all had troubles conceiving. Abraham, when he was told to go to that land that would be revealed, he did not get there overnight. It must have seemed like an eternity as the Israelite nation was waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And now, 2,000 plus years later, we still wait for his return. But once again, Jesus provides the example. At the wedding at Cana, where he prov provided the very first miracle, we all know that he turned to his mother and said, my time has not yet come. See, there's a divine timetable, and even Jesus followed that. Many times in the Gospels, you'll read, my time has not yet come, or some version of that. My time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. And then all of a sudden, the time has come. See, at any point in time, we need to understand that things don't happen overnight. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 6, verse 12, said this, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. 
But also remember this, because there's a number of you here that are waiting, and we, while we wait, we need to be active. While we actively wait at any moment in time, the Lord can reach out, touch you, and say, now. Now is the time. So what's the methodology for trying to determine God's specific will for our individual lives? Well, let me share a couple of things with you. First, open, closed door. Many of you have prayed in that aspect. Open door. Lord, if you open the door, I'll do this. If you close the door, I'll know that that's not the route that I should take. And let me say, first of all, about that, quite often, usually the reference that's giving for the precedent for that is the fleece, Gideon and the fleece. If you remember the story of that, Gideon is looking for confirmation, so he puts the fleece out and said, hey, Lord, let the fleece tomorrow morning be dry and the ground around it wet. Then he said, well, I want to make doubly sure, so make the fleece tomorrow wet and the ground around it dry. Well, I would share with you that is not an example of open, closed door. That is actually an example of a lack of faith. God and already in Judges chapter 6, verses 14 and 16, had already affirmed and told Gideon what he was supposed to do. That was actually testing the Lord, and we're never to test the Lord. Now, by his grace and his mercy, the Lord allowed it to happen, and he provided the answers that Gideon was looking for. But if you look at the end of Gideon's life, you'll know that this judge started strong, started well there, but did not end the way that we all would like to end, which is in a faithful way. So is there a biblical precedent for open, closed door? I believe there is, that there's a couple that I can think of, only time to show you one, and it's about Jonathan. Jonathan, King Saul's son and close friend to David, defeated the Philistines. And in 1 Samuel chapter 14, beginning with verse 6, let's follow along together as we read, Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. There you go. Do as you wish. Trust your gut. Go with your instincts. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Verse 8. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand in still in our place, and we will not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand, and this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, Look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed them after him. I have seen an open, closed door scenario prove itself true in my life as well. Now, this is my personal opinion I'm about to share with you. My personal opinion is the Lord does not utilize that. He can utilize any means that he needs. This is much as another way I'm going to share with you. But he can, and in my opinion, I believe this happens quite often, more when we're in our younger infancy of our spiritual walk and journey. 
But there was one time in particular in my life that I went to the open closed door, and that was when I got into vocational ministry. I had two avenues, a fork in the road. One was to be a lead pastor, and I had a church in Houston I was speaking with. One was to be an executive pastor, and there was a church in California that I was talking with at that point in time. And I was in the Word and, and praying, and I just could not get clarity. So I had a phone call while I was in Orlando with a church in California, and I said, Lord, I'm not saying that's where I should be heading next, but if you just give me clarity on what route I should be taking and how I should be serving you. If they offer me an interview, I will believe that you are leading me towards an executive pastor role. And by the way, that's the role I have here at this church. Well, I, didn't, I had the interview. I didn't have any clarity at that point in time. I waited. But as I drove home, I stopped in Charleston, South Carolina, had a meal with one of our sons. And as I drove to Kingsport, Tennessee, where we lived to see Kim, I sensed the Lord telling me it was time to sell our house. Now, I waited until the next day before I told Kim. I wanted to make sure on that as well. And I also understood that at the time, homes were not selling. In fact, the very same model as ours, the very same house was right next door to us, brand new. And the builder had been trying to get rid of it for over a year and he couldn't. So he finally sold it at an unbelievably low price just to get it off of his inventory because he was losing money. So the prospects of selling our house did not look good. That's for certain. Well, the very next day after I told Kim, which was a Sunday, we got a call from the church in California that they wanted me to come out for an interview. So I had my direction. Well, let me move forward a little bit further. The house not only sold, it sold at asking price, which was above the price we had paid for it only 15 months earlier. But when it sold, my natural proclivity is I need contingency plans. I need to be working. If this doesn't work, go to this, go to that, and so forth. Maybe it's my time as a coach. That play doesn't work, go to this play. So I began looking for, okay, the house is going to sell. We still haven't heard from the church in California, although we interviewed with them about almost, almost a month earlier. So I began to look for a place for Kim and I to move to, knowing the house was going to sell. And Kim called me politely, delicately, and respectfully to account. She said, did the Lord or did not the Lord tell you that we should sell our house? And I said, as best as I could understand him, I truly believe that we were to sell our house. And she said this. She said, why do we need a contingency plan then? And I saw the wisdom of her words immediately. I went to church that day and told the lead pastor. He said, where are you guys going to move to and live to? I said, I have no idea. We're just going to go by faith and determine that the Lord's going to provide. A week later, I got the call and got the job in California, and we closed on the home as we traveled to California. You see, the latter is how I truly believe the Lord acts to reveal his way more than any other, and that's by illuminating a gradual path towards recognition of what his will is. See, as we drive in a car like headlights, that are beaming in front of us. We're at point A and we're looking to point B and that's all we can see even with our beams on high. And when we get there, then we can see point C. We all want A to Z to know all the answers, but that's not gonna happen. Rarely will it happen. But by faith, we step forward. And I truly believe, as one person one time said, the best predictor of future performance is past performance. Or as Soren Kierkegaard said, life is to be learned backwards and lived forward which takes us to spiritual markers and Blackaby and King. 
and experiencing God. How many here, I'm just curious, have read Experiencing God? Okay, quite a few people. If you haven't, most impactful book that I've read other than the Bible has been Experiencing God. But here's, there's seven major points in Experiencing God. And here's what the authors contend. Experiencing God was that God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. There's four channels of communication, but here's my contention. Three out of the four rely on us taking the initiative. You have to cross the threshold to come into the church. You have to crack open the Bible to read its word, and you have to bow in reverence and petition in order to hear in prayer. But the thing that we have no control over, we think we do, or we try to be control freaks, I've been there myself, is circumstances. 24-7, 365, we don't know what exactly is going to happen next. Analogous to being pushed in a pool with gators. So I believe, in my opinion, that's what the Lord uses more than anything else to get our attention. And Black Man King would say this. He would, they would say that there's markers. And this came from the book of Joshua. There's seven stone memorials that were built. The first one after the Israelites crossed the Jordan River into the promised land. They were set up and they did these things. First of all, they let them and all future generations be able to look back. As our children look at our pathway, they should be able to see some of these things in our lives. To look back to know that God in his providence has cared for us and he will continue to do so. He promises. But number two, it's a way to specifically, the authors would contend, place markers in your life so that you can recognize specifically tailored to you on how God works in your life so you can see and anticipate the next step that you should take along the way. That personalized interaction I saw before I even read Experiencing God. In fact, I don't know if it ever been read before. I've shared this with a few people, but not many people here know this. But I was a senior in high school. I lived, ate, and breathed football. My dad was a high school football coach, so my dream was to have a college football scholarship. And the National Letter of Intent Day came when the colleges offered the scholarships, and I didn't have one. And I remember for the first time in my life being a broken man, being so down, I couldn't go to school that day. But my mom took me by the hand and sat me down and prayed for me. And the next day, I received a call from Illinois State University. It didn't happen overnight. It took about another three months, but I ended up receiving a full scholarship at Illinois State. Well, a couple of things happened when I got to Illinois State. First, I became involved with Campus Crusade for Christ, and that really helped me mature on my Christian walk. Second, the coaching staff that signed me got fired. A new coaching staff came in. That staff came in. They changed everything. And that dream I had, really that idol that I had, became a nightmare. And I wanted about as far away from college football as I could get, which is ironic, I realized, because the Lord led me to a 30-year career coaching college football. But it was more than coaching football. But the day after I gave up that same scholarship, a high school coach called, and he was looking for somebody to run his offense, to be the offensive coordinator, call the plays, and coach. I had never thought about coaching at that point in time, but here's what I did recognize. The day after I don't get that scholarship I wanted, and mom prays for me, I get a call. The day after I give up that same scholarship, 
I get a call. I knew at least I needed to go listen to hear what the guy had to say. And I went and listened to him. I felt like that's where the Lord was leading. And my first year of coaching, my one year coaching high school football, the team that won three games the previous year, we won the state championship that year. And a couple months later, I was off on a college coaching career. And that's another story for another day and another fork in the road. You see, man plans, but God is in the details. Proverbs 2, 8, 9 says this, he guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair, and you will find the right way to go. And I truly believe this too. If we are sincerely seeking God's will, he knows our heart better than we do. We can't make a wrong turn because he can redirect us as well. And he did that for me also. 1992, the coaching staff at Boise State University, some of those guys were still on the staff, was fired. I went a couple months without a job. There's an old saying, there's two types of coaches, those that have been fired and those that will be fired. I went two months looking for a job and I had two interviews finally come up on the same week. One was for a head football coaching position at a university in Minnesota. The other one was for an assistant coaching position at an Ivy League school, not Harvard, not Harvard, a different school. So on the day that I received my last paycheck from Boise State, I was standing in the office of the athletic director at that university in Minnesota, and he offered me the head coaching position at that school. What's the saying that we often say? Rarely early, but never late. Same day that that happened. But he also knew that I had the interview coming up. It was at Brown University. And this was a Friday, and my interview was going to get me back on Tuesday evening into Boise, so he needed to know the answer by noon on that coming Wednesday. So I went out to Brown, had a great time, good visit. No doubt in my mind I was going to be offered that position as well. The head coach there said he wanted to sleep on it overnight. He would call me before my new deadline the next day, which he did. But now I had a fork in the road. I had a head coaching position that made considerably more money and was near my family and an assistant coaching position that made so little. I had my undergraduate degree in accounting. It made so little. I had no earthly notion how in the world we could continue to have my wife at home, not working, but raising the kids, which was a priority. We were not going to compromise and make ends meet. So as I flew from Providence to Chicago O'Hare and O'Hare to Boise, I prayed and dove into the word. And finally, it hit me. When the rubber meets the road, what do you truly believe, Jay? It's not about the professional aspect. It's not about the personal aspect. It's the spiritual aspect. And if I truly prioritize faith and my family, I want to be, regardless where it is, where the Lord wants me to be. And here's the decision I came up with. No idea how we were going to make it financially, but we were going to go to Brown and Providence because of this one reason and one reason alone. My kids were involved at the time in a program called Awanas in Boise. I don't know how many are familiar with this. Royal Rangers is another program like that. It's, it's a biblical faith-based Cub Scouts, if you will. 
And I, it's a discipleship program for children that I loved and my kids loved and were growing. And I thought, okay, I already knew that it's this small community in Minnesota, there was no Awanas program. I'd already checked it out. Now, I didn't know about Providence, but it was a much larger city as the capital. So I projected there had to be one church that had an Awanas program. So based on that, faith and family alone, I decided to take that position. At 11 a.m. the next day, one hour before my deadline, the head coach, Mickey Kwiatkowski, at Brown University called. He said, you're the guy that I want for this position. And I got ready to accept the job. He said, however, he said, since this is the last year of my contract, and this position also is the recruiting coordinator position, this one position may stay on with the next coach if they end up firing me. So the athletic director decided he was going to make the choice, and he chose somebody else. I felt like I had an Isaac Abraham moment that I had been tested and I was faithful to do what needed to be done and God honored that. Well, you judge whether God honored that because two weeks after we landed in Minnesota at a small rural town seven miles away, a church began an Awanas program. I haven't talked about that in years, but um, God pointed the way and redirected the path. See, God's way is discernible. Isaiah 30, 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And as Ananias told Paul, as he restored his sight, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, and to see the righteous one and to hear him speak. And we are to do likewise. See, your journey is your testimony. As the worship team comes forward and we go to prayer, I want to remind you that we have a prayer ministry team. Really appreciate this team. Some of them are going to come up and gather here at the front. I'll come down in the front as well. A couple of them will be at the exits towards the back, and they're here. As you act as the Spirit leads you in any way, shape, or form, they are here to listen. They are here to pray with you or anything else you want to lift up in prayer. We want to be able to do that. Thank God this is a church that believes in the power of prayer, and we've seen those prayers come true. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the path that you have us all on. We thank you for your revealed will. We thank you for your word, Father, the way that you speak to us through your Holy Spirit to direct our paths so that we can be of service to you. It is not about us. It's about you. It's about your will. And Father, you can use a willing person to do amazing things. We want to surrender that to you now and surrender that to you every waking moment that we have, every breath that we take, knowing that every breath that we have, inhale and exhale, comes from you. So, Father, be with us today as we continue to decipher and we continue to grow as we continue to walk by mm -hmm. faith. Give us a vision for what you will do next and help us have the courage, knowing that you will equip us for whatever the task might be. In Jesus' most precious name we pray, amen. <laughs> Thanks for checking out sermons from Pleasant Valley Community Church. For more resources and to give financially to support the missions and ministries of Pleasant Valley, 
Find us on social media or visit our website at www.pleasantvalley.cc.